All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight to the Boiler Express podcast. I know we uh, had missed last week, so I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight and apologize for that. That's not our norm, but we're back at, uh, back in action this week. And um, we'd like to start today's episode a little bit differently than we normally do. We'll, we'll start our intro here in a little bit. But as some of you may know that follow uh, one of our fellow podcast uh, mates, Dylan Kuhn on Twitter, um, two days ago, was the one year anniversary of his father passing. His father was a diehard Boilermaker, went to Purdue um, and really fostered that love and passion that Dylan has for Purdue athletics. And so Dylan's not able to be on here tonight, but he did ask me to read a message that <coughs> he wanted me to, uh, that he wanted everybody to hear. So um, I'm going to read that and then we will uh, carry on with the show as, as Dylan and his dad would want us to do. So um Monday, the 27th, was the one-year anniversary of uh, my dad's passing. Um, this is Dylan's dad. Um, even though I can't make it on tonight's episode, I wanted to make sure to thank every single person in the Purdue community who has shown me love, not just yesterday, but every day since I lost my dad. <clears throat> he was and will forever be the reason that I'm a Boilermaker. Uh, I can't thank our incredible community enough for your kind words and messages. especially want to thank... Uh, my guys, Damon, Chris, Frank, Russ, and Nick for allowing me to join the Boilermaker Express podcast. Uh, it's something I look forward to every week. The future of this podcast is bright, and I'm lucky to be a part of it. Boiler up forever. So that was a message from Dylan tonight. Uh, we're thinking of you, Dylan, this week. We know it's a tough week, and uh, we look forward to having you back next week with us. So, uh, Chris, if you want to go ahead and hit that intro. Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. everybody well as i said at the beginning here welcome back to the boiler uh, the boiler express podcast uh, i am your host ultimate boiler uh we've got the regulars here as always uh minus dylan tonight but we've got russ frank chris as well um we have a special guest with us tonight we have purdue basketball hall of famer uh walter jordan uh with us tonight jo uh, walter we're extremely excited to have you on the show we're excited to pick your brain get to know you a little bit more and talk about some purdue basketball so thanks for being on the show well, I appreciate it. If you can't get fired with that intro, I don't know if, you, if anything can fire you up. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, <laughs> got goosebumps just watching that all over again. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't think watching the highlights of especially the uh, the Tennessee game when Ryan Klein hit those threes, I don't, I don't think that could ever get old. Shivers um, every single time that clip plays. Yeah, Amazing. absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Walter, we've got some questions for you tonight. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, we just want to pick your brain, get to know you a little bit more. You did play Purdue for Purdue basketball back in the 70s, and uh, I would love to just know a little bit more about that. So you played also with a lot of NBA talent. I was looking up the roster from from that era. Uh, I think there was, what, four or five guys you played with that probably ended up playing in the league along with you as well. Um, Joe Barry Carroll being one of those. Um guys uh so tell me a little bit about that what was it like playing at purdue back in the 70s and you know if there's anything different or what would you say sticks out most about the differences uh maybe around campus or just uh, purdue from then to, to now what, what are some of those big differences that you see well i think that that the boiler nation is still boiler nation i always thought it was the best in the country uh, first of all, uh, I, I think I was blessed to play in the era I was play, I played in. I played against the Magic Johnsons, the Larry Birds, the two Indiana teams. I was undefeated and won the won the national championship. Michigan went to the Final Four. In fact, my junior year, uh, four, I think all four teams that went to the, the made it to the Final Four, we played against. So, played against UCLA when they was on that long winning streak with Marcus Johnson and Richard Washington, two uh, bookend All Americans and. Uh, so every day you had to lace them up. We played against Larry Bird twice, uh, played against uh, Scott Mays of the world. Uh, you name them. Uh, Michigan had All-Americans, uh, Ricky Green and Phil Harvard, Minnesota, Kevin McHale and Michael Thompson. And Wisconsin had Wes Matthews. And even Northwestern Man. had NBA, NBA player Billy McKinney. And so every 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 game you had to lace them up. 
uh, unfortunately, we only took 32 teams to the dance, and you had to win the Big Ten at that time to get to, to get an automatic bid. If you finished second or third, there was a chance you were not going to get invited to the dance. We never finished any worse than third in my four years there. So and, and as tough as that competition was, I felt that uh, we got to the dance and we drew North Carolina and we ended up playing North Carolina, who was ranked one, two, or three. I forget which ones they were ranked, depending on what poll you're looking at. We had to play them at, on their court, on their court in the oh, wow. tournament. <laughs> and we ended up, we were winning and we, we, we had a six point lead about a minute and 30 seconds ago, and we, we uh, ended up losing the game. So I, I felt like we had an awful lot of talent. You know, we had, we had, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I think I, one of the most talented teams at Purdue, Wayne Walls and Bruce Parkinson, Jerry Seaston, Eugene Parker. We had a bench. We had, we had, you know, we had, we 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 had guys that love to play big and big games. We showed up for big games. We love the big game. You name it, we play Indiana anytime, anywhere, no matter what. <laughs> and and the four the four times we played them when they were undefeated those two years, and we lost the one game. We were, we were freshmen and sophomore. We started three freshmen, and. Um, we had them beat three out of the four times that team. We had them beat three out of four times. And uh, one, one game, I remember we shot 60% from the field. I think we had like four turnovers and we ended up losing by two points. That's how good they were. That's how good they were. And they, they went on to win the championship. We'd be met. We'd be Michigan state and magic. We split with them. Uh, last time I played against magic, we'd be Michigan state. We know what happened to him. We, we split with bird and Indiana state. Um, so, those experiences stand out. You know, I, I got a chance to play with Larry in high school, play with the gold medal team in the World University Games, a friend of mine. I had a lot of respect for him and, and, and those kind of things. So just those kind of things, competition and also the relationships that I, that I build with my teammates and also Boilermaker Nation. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool to hear about just the wealth of talent that you – had you got to play with and, and then had to play against every night. Like you said, you had to lace them up and be ready. It didn't matter who you were playing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So a little bit about that because it, the games changed so much over the years. Um, what are some things you are glad have changed? And then what are some things from the time when you played that you kind of wish were still there? I wish the Big Ten was, was the way it was as far as physicality. I thought that it was a very physical conference, and we were known for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now the officials, I think, are so inconsistent. We don't know what they're going to call. Uh, we know, don't they, get me started, they, sir. Yeah, when, <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, you're playing against uh, uh, Mikhail and Michael Thompson. You know, those guys, you know, Michael Thompson calls player a year uh, better than Clay, his son. And then, you know, it was like every year, you know, Big Ten teams are ranked in the top ten. We have five or six teams ranked in the top ten, but yet and still, only one or two got to go to the dance. So wow. everybody outside of Big Ten knew the Big Ten was clearly the best conference. The most it wasn't a debate. The Big Ten was clearly the most dominant dominant conference, but they only took one of us. So it's automatic bid. But I, I look back and I think about. I like the athleticism of the game today. I, I think these athletes, guys, are phenomenal athletes. They can run and jump, and and they should be better because they got the the exposure now. They got the year-round training. They got all this stuff. They can watch basketball twenty-four-seven. We didn't have that luxury, so you, you can expand your vision and, and what you can do physically. Those trainers out there, they're they're the state-of-the-art, you know, diet diets now and you know, weightlifting and all the stuff that, that we didn't get a chance to, to experience, but they're experiencing that nutritionists, you know, the way they eat. I remember starving on Sundays because we, we, we didn't eat. We, we could find the cafeterias was closed, so we didn't eat on Sundays. Can you imagine athletes today uh, being able to find a place to eat? I had to find a girlfriend real quick. But, <laughs> but, it, it, uh, I, mean, but I, I have nothing but I'm glad they're finally paying these kids for their likeness, there still need to be some control, but I like the fact that they are finally doing that. Because Absolutely. Of, you know, but I, I, I like a lot of things about today's game. I like the fact that it's uh, so unpredictable. You don't know anybody can beat anybody. Uh, kids are not afraid for the most part because they, they play in these AAU travel basketball organizations all around the country when they're 14, 15, 16, 17. So they, they see these guys everywhere. They know these guys. They're not afraid of them. So you can get a freshman to coming in like the two freshmen at Purdue, three freshmen at Purdue. They're not afraid. They're not afraid. 
You know, Braden Smith, a, a, a play against anybody, anywhere. He's tough as it mm-hmm. comes. So that, that's he's probably exciting. seen a lot of those guys through those AAU circuits and stuff. Absolutely, and, and I, I can relate to to to, to Braden and Flexion Lawyer and a little bit. I don't, I don't the ranking thing. You're a five star, four star. Who gives a damn? The bottom line is, can you play? It's not about your age, it's about your game. And as freshmen, that's what we felt with Eugene Parker and Wayne Walls, and we came in to Purdue. Let's go play. It, it doesn't matter. And uh, so I, I, I like the attitude that they have. I like the, the swagger. They're so much fun to watch. Um, I told somebody the other day, they was talking, complaining about Purdue. I said, you know what I found out when I coach basketball? I said, what's that? I said, I found out I'm a hell of a coach when my players make some shots. <laughs> <laughs> when they make some shots, I really look good. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, we were talking before we went live a little bit and, and we'll get more into it, but just to touch on it briefly, you know, uh, if you look at the the stats, you know, against the game against IU, we played pretty well. It was just that they just weren't falling. You know, we had a lot of open shots and, and it, it just wasn't our night, but uh, we'll get more into that later. Uh, Frank Russ, you guys want to take the next one? Um, yeah. So, Tell us about your book, um, Gracefully Broken, and um, what kind of sparked your interest in writing that? Well, one of the things I, I see is I'm involved in, in the community here in Atlanta. We're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as well as here in Georgia. I'm involved with youth, and I speak a lot around the country. And I'm, I have a youth leadership conference I do. Uh, in fact, last year I had Ben Baker from the uh, Milwaukee Bucks who trained Giannis. He was my keynote speaker on a youth conference. So what we do is we, we cater to young men and try to get them to understand life skills, leadership skills, uh, be productive, how important getting your education is, all the stuff everybody talks about. So I've been doing that for about 20 some years. I also have a youth program here in Georgia where I had 170 kids in my summer youth pro- travel basketball program. So we use that to also get to kids. So one of the things I found out was that, you know, during the pandemic when everybody was lying and all the everybody's lying about everything. And, and I said, I said, I need to tell people my story. I need people to know that I have flaws, that I failed, that I, you know, my kids think I'm perfect. Everybody thinks I'm perfect. No, I'm not. You know, kids don't want to know how perfect you were. They, they want to know you fell down, too. They want to know you fell down. They can relate to that. And can you this is how you get back up. And so one day I just told my wife that I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be a transparent about my life. I'm going to talk about uh, all my flaws and my mistakes, you know, my failures. You know, uh, I want people to see me. I, I'm tired of people lying about how great I was, how great I am. No, I'm human just like everybody else. We all fall short. And the only one that don't have problems, they're called dead people. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to do is tell my truth. So. If, if the Lord takes me home, my kids would know and my, my grandkids would know. And, and so I just started writing. I had no idea how to write a book. I'm a writer anyway. I read and write every day. I love to read and I love to write. You oh, give, awesome. me, give me something, I'm going to read. I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. Nice. And so uh, I just started writing one day. Next thing I know, I wrote six chapters. And I said, wow. And then I, I said, well, I need to look at publishing this. And I called my sister and I been trying to get a title after about two months. And she says to me, she said, I don't have to read your first six chapters. She said, I know the title of your book. I said, what is she said, because I know you. She said, you've been broken. She said, but you broke, you're broken gracefully. Hmm. She said, the name of your book is Gracefully Broken. And from there, a book was formed. Hmm. And my brother says it all the time. He said, you didn't write the book. You just surrendered and God wrote the book. Nice. Oh, cool. And so the respect that I've, I've been the favor and the grace that I've been given because of that book blows me away. I mean, the million billion, the, the people that showed up at the book signing, you know, I got to tell you stories, make you cry, but I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> has touched my heart from people pouring out their love for me and, and respect for me around the country and people traveling two or three or four hours, you know, quick story, Doug Babilia in the rain, the manager at Purdue when I was at Purdue, drove up from Evansville to meet me and in Indianapolis just to get his book signed. One of my high school teammates wow. flew in from Florida, surprised me, flew in from Florida just to come to Indianapolis for my book signing and flew out that night. Mm. Wow. You know, and and, and I had the last story I'm going to share, I got so many stories I'm sharing one story. Oh, that's all right. Tell them. 
one gentleman came up, drove up from Illinois, and he said he had to come see me. I said, what do you mean? He said, my dad was your biggest fan. He said, he was at Purdue and you were at Purdue. He stayed in the same dorm when you were freshman. He said he followed you every since. He said, you made such an impression. He said, my dad's no longer here. He said, but I had to come tell you the story. I said, okay. He's telling me a story. He said, by the way, my name is Walter. Wow. Oh, wow. And he said, my middle name is Jordan. Wow. That's awesome. And I I tear up thinking about that. Yeah. And guess what? He didn't even look like me. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you talk about favor and being blessed and getting being emotional and understanding, uh, trying to understand God's grace and favor. It it, it blows me away. You can't make this stuff up. And I'm just so humbled by all of it. Truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And just from the stories that you you shared there briefly, you know, um, and in the way you talked about your book, uh, it's just great to hear. Uh, I think it really drives home what it what it means to be a Purdue Boilermaker. You know, the type of attitude that you have to have. You fall down, you get back up, um, and you surround yourself with people that that are there to support you and and fly all the way from Florida to come get their book signed, or drive up from Evansville to Indianapolis, or um, you know, drive up from Illinois. Uh, you know that. Uh, think that's uh yeah that's awesome that's a really those are great yeah it's a very specific dna to be a boilermaker oh absolutely uh i i have never i tell people all the time everywhere i go purdue fans have never let me down they have mm. never let me down i i just i love them to death it's a love affair you have the one or two that um, <laughs> that don't don't handle well don't understand to be a true real fan uh, but but you have to put it with them too because it makes us better, make us continue to do what we have to do to try to encourage people and keep them. My number one thing is to try to keep these these kids uh, encouraged because I know they they're also on Twitter, they're also on social media, and mm-hmm. also re- recruits are also on, on social media, and, and their parents are also on social media. So we have to be very very careful because we're not helping the recruiting process at all. So we have to be very very careful with what we put out there. You, you can think it's okay. It's okay to think some of the things we think, because sometimes we have negative thoughts too. But it's the way you do it, respectfully, not disrespectfully. And so we have to be very, very careful of that, because I'm not going to go out and bad mouth uh, Matt Painter, because I think differently. He may have done something differently as a coach. You know what? That that's idiotic. He's the coach. He's a damn coach. <laughs> you know. So we all have to ro- have a role to play. And we all have to remember that, even though I'm thinking that, I'm not going to put it out on on social media so everybody to see it. Yeah, I think he's made some similar comments to what you said earlier that, you know, when when we're making shots, he looks really good. But when we're not, all of a sudden, he's on the hot seat now. Like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing. There's no, no one in this entire stratosphere of Purdue sports that's more irritated than those guys in the locker room. And that's what people have to remember. Like, as mad as we are when things don't go right, multiply it by a thousand, and that's what those guys are. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 what I I I have done in the last couple of years, I reach out to those guys via private messages. I have their phone numbers. I text them after every game when they're down. When they're going well, hey, great game, good job. When you're down, they need to be encouraged. Hey, keep going, keep your head up. Those are the kind of things we, we, we have to do, especially as a, as, a, as a Purdue athletic family. And we are all like family. We believe in gold and black, you know, so we're not going to bad mouth the kids. No kid's not trying to miss a shot or turn the ball over. You see his head down. You see he's, he's struggling. So what we need to do is keep beating him up? No, we need to encourage him, help him get his head up because we've been there. We've been there. We've had situations, and all of us have been there in our, in our personal lives. Every day is not a good day. Every day, every day is not a good day. Sometimes we struggle mentally, emotionally, physically. Okay, we need somebody to pick us up. So I'm always mindful of that, and I try to give people, encourage people to do that. Just pick people up. It's okay. You'll feel better when you do that as opposed to smashing people. Cool. So I need to find a brick wall to run through. Yeah, I can't wait to clip some of these <laughs> statements from this uh, this pod already. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, buy his book, y'all. If you don't got it, buy it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and but I think he, I think he makes a really good point. It kind of kind of goes back to what Matt Painter had said on his show. Um, I think it was last week, 
Um, and that's, you know, the piece of advice he gave was don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. Um, he said, you know, if Joe Smith says on Twitter, you know, Purdue needs to run more zone or needs to get more technicals or needs to interact with the officials in a different way, you know, that goes right over my head. Um, but if Bob Knight wants to say something about my coaching, I'm going to listen. And so he says, so, but those things that go over my head, they don't necessarily go over the players' heads. So they read things on Twitter, recruits read things on Twitter, and they may interpret that differently. So it's good to know that there's, you know, people around them, um, you know, that, that community, yourself included, who are able to give them guidance when they need it most. That's really encouraging to hear. Absolutely. I'll be 100% honest. I kind of wish that Painter would go back to the no Twitter policy during the season. Yeah, our, uh, yeah, that just that changed what like four or five years ago. It was like I think it was the season before COVID, or maybe the season before that. But like, I don't know, like, because I will read Twitter and I'll be like, God, I hope no one in the team or the staff or Painter or anybody is reading any of this because it is god awful to read. I get mad, and I'm nowhere near the program. Like, I couldn't imagine being within it. Like, I would just and. I'm uh, opinionated, as some of the guys in here would agree with. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut. I'm glad I'm not part of the program because I'd get suspended in a heartbeat. And, a, and a, pr a prime example of that, I mean, just look back from when Coach Walters was hired. The immediate reaction was just so polarizing for some reason. I, the guy hasn't even done anything yet. He's not even – I mean, he literally just flew into campus – and everybody had an opinion about about this guy because he wasn't already a head coach. And we guess what? We've hired people that were head coaches for, and it didn't turn out well uh, for the football program. So I don't know why that has to be such a moniker for somebody to uh, you know coach our, our football team to have that head coaching experience. But yeah, I mean, just uh, yeah, go ahead. I agree with you 110. percent One of the things I've learned is that um, it's usually the same people. It's their makeup. It's who they are. It's their DNA. Yeah. It's who they are. They're going to do them no matter what. They're looking Just at negative people regardless they're, of what's They're, they're going looking on. to start mess. And I always say that the, the, the ear is a human magnet for, for negativity. Mm -hmm. and, and some people just love that mess. They love to create it. They love to, to throw it out there. So what I do, I might read something and I laugh because I got six brothers. I'm the seventh child. So. I have to be. I have to be thick-skinned. Trust me. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had seven boys in one bed, so I had to be thick-skinned. So thick-skinned and know how to fight. Jeez. Oh, oh, absolutely. Got my butt kicked a few times, but you know, when yeah. I read it, I'll read it and I'll laugh and I'll block them automatically. I, I block them because if it's way off the cuff, I'm like way off the cuff. Fire Matt Painter. I mean, you're clueless. And hire who? Exactly. Right. You like know, how hard it is to win in the Big Ten and do what he's done with it with no one thought in October that we'll be in this position. You you have to be an idiot. Seriously, I hate to say that to think you should fire him based on what this team has done this season. Mm. Right. A thousand percent. Everybody's taking the last two weeks and just kind of cramming it all together. Um <clears throat> One player in particular that I, that I I love and I know is going to be a fan favorite for their entire tenure here is just Braden Smith. And uh, the reason I bring him up is just for his mentality. You know, uh, I don't know him personally, so I can't say it for 100 percent for sure uh, what's going on inside of him. But, man, it seems like if he has an off game that next game, he is so fired up. He's so ready to go. He's just a, a passionate player. You know, I remember the during the IU game, uh, that first time out that was called Purdue got up like 13 to six. You could just see he was just letting it all out. You know, he was he was fist pumping. He was screaming and yelling. Um, he's just a guy that, man, he's going to give you 110 percent. I don't think, you know, he stopped sprinting for the 35 you know, plus minutes that he probably ends up playing a game. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love Braden. And I think that his attitude, his I think he's in a great position right now because he's getting fostered and um, taught by guys that that understand, you know, Zach Eadie's the the other um, upperclassmen that have been in those situations that know how to handle those or have learned how to handle those. Um, so I think he's going to really turn into a great leader, especially in those later years uh, with the team. So I'm, I'm just excited for the future as well. And one of the things with Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and even Cable First and those other guys, uh, they're 18 years old. 
they are going to develop physically. They're going to get. I, I I grew three inches in college. I came in oh, at wow. six five and left at six eight. I've never been a big guy. I was always thin and skinny, but I gotten a lot. I got a lot stronger. These guys are are, are in the weight room. They got trainers, nutritionists. They are going to get stronger. And, and what and, and that and Fletcher's going to not be the same body in the next mm -hmm. year or two. He's not going to be that. So when he gets bumped now, then he's not going to feel it. He's going to be able to finish some of the shots he's not finishing going to going to the rim. It'll be like and, hitting a wall. Oh, oh absolutely. And 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 because they play so hard, I'm sure they're eating right. I'm sure they're taking care of their bodies. So people look at this these guys and say, man, they got so much upside, it's scary. It really is frightening. And even Edie. Edie is not nearly as good as mm -hmm. he's gonna be. Mm -hmm. He's not nearly as good as he's gonna be. And and you can't stop yeah. him now. And I think it's back to that old adage, what are you doing for me now? Yeah, Instead absolutely. of what's happening in two years. You know, right now they're great, they're awesome, they're they're fantastic players. But when they're juniors, oh they're gonna you know, you get Braden Smith with two years under his belt going into his junior year. That kid's going to be a monster. I mean, he's going to know everything, especially when you add in guys like Miles Colvin and stuff like that coming up. Like, man, that, I mean, I mean, this team's already talented, but I mean, the weapons for him are only going to get better. And it's going to only free up guys like Fletch and TKR and stuff like that. And it's just, and that's why, kind of going back to what you said, you know, anybody who says that Vayner needs fired just needs to delete Twitter. Um, they just are, they're just dumb. You know, I'll say it right now. Yeah. You're dumb. Like, I, I, it, it sends me to the moon. How yeah. many times I see that, and I just want to, I just want to strangle somebody. I'm like, why would you say that? Like, the, it. And I always compare it to this: is when Bo Pelini got fired at Nebraska. Like they were averaging eight to nine wins a season, and they haven't had a nine-win season since. Yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. He, I mean, name a program that's done as well as Purdue's done since Matt Payne's mm -hmm. been there. With what they've recruited star-wise. Well, you know, it, it, even, even that, you know, because to me, people forget that Jaden Ivey was not a five-star, four-star mm -hmm. player. They forget Trayvon Williams was not a four- or five-star player. They forget these guys, Eric Hunter and, and, and Thompson. Those guys were not five, four- or five-star players. They were not. Even though they grew in, in Ivy in two years, look what Ivy developed into. Look what Trey Brown developed into. They're developing these kids. They're getting better. If your programs, your players are getting better, you're doing something right. But when you're on Twitter and you're talking about firing a coach, if I'm a recruit and I see that, my son's thinking about maybe I shouldn't go to Purdue. This guy is 24 and 5 or whatever our record is. And you're mm -hmm. talking about firing a coach? Yeah. And I'm looking at Purdue to come to Purdue, and you yeah. you guys are talking about firing this coach. Yeah, you know I would love to see what the record is for the lowest recruit rating to win national player of the year. Azidi's yeah. got to be there. He's what he was what four fifty three, four fifty nine. Yeah, he's he's, he's the recruiting class. It's it's, it's got to be, be really it's close. Gotta be, it's got to be him. Got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. You know, so I, I don't I don't buy into that and hope the uh, Boiler Nation is not buying into that crap. I do think it is a minority, you know, that's that's saying that now, which it, is. it didn't it wasn't always that way. I think the majority of the fan base is, is really bought into what Painter is doing, but it's the the people who seem to know the least that are always screaming the loudest, unfortunately. I like mm -hmm. that. I like yeah. that. Zone buh, zone. <laughs> <laughs> so um Purdue, uh, Purdue basketball, you know, had uh we had our, our big rivalry game uh this past weekend against IU. Um, it was a, it was, uh, it was a dog fight. I mean, players on both teams, uh, had good games, but you know, Zach was, I think he went 26 and 14, uh, that game, uh, Jalen Hutchifino had an unprecedented mm -hmm. game. Um, he's a very good player and hopefully he goes to the NBA. I wish him all the success as long as he's not in a red and white uniform. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, the first half, uh, we'll just kind of start there, um, kind of break that down a little bit. I thought it was a really good game. Uh, I thought it was very back and forth. Uh, but it, it, man, I was watching it and I was like, man, every time, and, and this just goes back to just shots, unfortunately, just not falling. It was like every time we got like a six point lead or, you know, four or five points, it was like we had that opportunity to grow that lead a little bit. And then, you know, that ball just wouldn't go in. 
Um, and unfortunately, we're not the best at transition defense. It's just a statistically true thing. Um, and, you know, that was kind of biting us in the tail a little bit. But uh, how did you guys feel so far, at least in the first half of that game? Oh, me personally? Well, I, I felt good at halftime, I thought for sure. Uh, even in Bloomington, when we were down, I felt good. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to see – I was curious to see how we responded in Bloomington in the second half. I was, I was really pleased. That told me a lot about those guys to do what they did in Bloomington. But in, in West Lafayette, I, I, the whole game, I just sensed that we were tight on our shots. With the free throws, we couldn't make free throws. You know, we were excellent mm-hmm. free throw shooting team. Our free throw shooters were missing one-on-ones and – those things add up in a game like that. Then they, then the, they weren't missing. So every opportunity we had to get the free ones, we need to get the free ones. We gave them some second shot opportunities that resulted in three open three-point looks. And we, we, we were just not shooting the basketball. You notice the last two three-pointers we shot at the end of the game, we made because wasn't no pressure on us. We knocked those yeah. down. And you say, what, where would that be in the whole game? There was no pressure now. The tenseness was gone. It was like, oh, we, we're going to lose and might as well shoot this with my regular shot. I mean, guys, we had great looks. We had great looks. We did. We did not finish, and uh, we didn't execute. I thought defensively uh, at the right time to make a run. We we had chance to make a run a couple times, and uh, we let them off the hook. And then we missed free throws, and we turned the ball over. So we had opportunities, and so I'm not, I'm I'm encouraged because I know if we play them again. I think we're, we're going to beat them. Clearly, they played their best game of the year, and we played our worst, and we still was in the game, guys. We still was there. Right. Right? Right there. So. Yeah, I appreciate Nick and what he adds to our group thread. I know he hasn't got on here with us in the pod, but it's it's really stung when he's posted the um, post game statistics for both IU games that say, "Oh, IU only wins on average ten percent of the time if, with the shot selection and the shots that they took and with the shots we took and the way we shoot." It's like you watch the games and literally IU is making shots that you normally wouldn't make, or that are tougher shots, and we're missing uncontested threes. And it's just like if we make half the shots we should have and they miss three or four shots, all of a sudden we're the team that won by eight points. And you're not really saying we don't deserve to win because we got all the looks. We just we just didn't make it. Well, it's like like I said before we got on here, if you told Matt Painter that uh, Trey Jackson Davis was going to be held to 10 points in that game, he'd have taken that 11 out of 10 times. Like Oh, yeah. Like, you know, because what he went for 33 or something like that in Bloomington, you know, but they just they they scored on what we forced them to do. And it just it was just a problematic like I'm not mad about losing that. I take that back. I'm mad about losing that game, but I'm not mad about losing that game if it makes sense. Um, yeah, like, it's like how we lost. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm more mad about losing the game to Maryland, like we did, than I am losing the game to IU. You know, because the Maryland game, I just felt like we got outran. Where this game, I felt like we did everything we wanted to. We just couldn't make shots, and they couldn't miss. Yeah, that that ten zero run killed yeah. us when we we didn't kill the dragon the first part of that second half. You know, we got a little bit away from it, and then all of a sudden. You know, now they're like, okay, well, we're down double digits. So we go back to it, or we try to keep shooting our way into it. And then we just kind of, I think, struggle a little bit at that point. But yeah. Yeah, we get pretty indecisive. Yeah, we got to have one or two guys off the bench that see that can handle mentally when you're struggling to come in. I got to make some plays. I got to make a shot. I got to, I got to be strong enough. We're struggling right now. They need me. You know, we got a couple talented guys off the bench that can come in and do that for us. And, it's just got to be more consistent. They've got to pick their spots and say, okay, today my team needs me. Yep. i got to step up. Other Gillis times. and Newman come to mind first with yeah. that kind yeah. of role. Gillis, very much so. I, I'm I'm huge on Gillis. I think he's a he's a great player. I love his bulldog. Um, and I'll it's a recency kind of thing, but Grady Eifert mentality to me. Like he's mm-hmm. just – he does everything you need him to that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He's diving for balls. He's fighting guys. He's he's setting hard screens. He's doing all that type of stuff. And then he hits nine threes during Penn State game. You know, whatever. But, yeah. like, that dude is just – I just love his mentality. Like, he's that lunch pail mentality type guy that I just absolutely love. And it seems like a, our great Purdue teams always have those type of guys. No, absolutely. And I, I think Brandon can fit that mode, too, if he – just oh, become yeah. a little bit more tougher uh, uh, mentally because he's got all the athletic ability in the world. He can shoot the ball. 
it, it mentally, I think he's got to get a little bit tougher and stronger because it, we're going to need him, and I think he can he can be he can be a big part of what happens moving forward for this team. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he, he can he can play he can be a lockdown defender if he chooses to be. And I thought he did a great job defensively and effort wise, and we got to have that from him every game. He'll he'll start to knock down these shots hopefully too here. Yeah, I like you said um, consistently and when we need it because they have the ability. You know, they've shown it. We've had how many guys come off the bench and score 20-plus points, you know, this game. And, you know, DJJ, you know, David Jenkins Jr., is a, he's going to be a 2,000-point scorer by the end of his career. So, yeah, it's we definitely have the ability. It's just, you know, getting that consistency and being able to turn it on when we need it, for sure. So, I always no, yeah. like – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Frank. No. I was gonna say, I mean, from a from a game plan standpoint, I felt like I felt like Purdue came into the game with a pretty good game plan. Um, you know, the, clearly uh, defensively, we wanted to kind of force them into those tough, you know, mid range pull ups that they that, you know they just hit. Um, you know, and, and um, we wanted to turn Trace Jackson Davis into a playmaker instead of letting him score, and uh, he embraced that role. You know, in my opinion, we were we were coming quick uh, with the double teams and making them kind of pass out and. You know, he'd pass out, you know, kind of at the top of the key, and they'd swing it over to Miller Cop who for an open three. I mean, they just did a really good job of of taking what we were willing to give them and, and, and working with it. And just an odd game, you know, when you look at it on paper. You know, if you were to tell me that, you know, we we were we would have twenty one offensive rebounds to I use five, we would out rebound them as a total by sixteen. You know, we would shoot twenty one more free throws than them. You know, that's a recipe for a win right there. And not only that, we only turned the ball over how many times? Uh, Ten times. Yeah. It just, that's a recipe for a win. You know, so if you were to tell me those things, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a 20-point win. Um, but, you know, Jalen hood Shafino answered the call that night. I mean, he he played an unreal game. Um, and, and he is, I mean, he he, he is a pro player. And I, there's no no sugar. I mean, he is a, he is a pro player. That's right, Jalen. Go to the NBA. Can't leave. I don't want you to be around anymore. I, I think he is projected as a first round pick now. I mean that that uh yeah, I think I saw him like eight games or something like that. The unfortunate injury to Xavier Johnson has given him a lot more exposure. Uh, and he's he's done well with it. Yeah. Well, I, absolutely. Uh, I think one of Indiana's biggest challenges is that uh, they do have five stars on the bench. They have these guys on the bench who's not happy. Um so I, I know one of them uh, personally and I watch his mannerism and his posture, and it's not good. Mm-hmm. Not good. You know, they want, all want to play and want to be stars. Sometimes, even last year with Purdue's team, I thought Purdue's team was more talented than this team. But this team was more of a team than last year's team. They did, yep. willing to, they're willing to do the dirty work. They play for each other. They're not looking for the NBA and, 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 and the lottery money or getting calls from agents every week, you know. They're, they're, they're locked in. That's why I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to finish strong. And I think they're going to really look forward to getting to the dance. Uh, because once you once you get the pressure off of them, there's a lot of pressure being number one for a lot of the season on these young Oh, yeah. And, and coming from all everybody, including Borderland Nation. So being number one, oh, man, and then you lose one game, oh, man, the sky is falling. You know, that's a hell of a lot of pressure for these, these kids. So they got to experience that. And now that pressure is moving away from them because they lost to Indiana twice and they're, they're not number one anymore, even though they're still ranked fifth or whatever they're ranked. I pay mm-hmm. no attention to that, but I also think it, it, it has helped them to, to relax a little bit. I don't think they'll be just be tight anymore because now no one's expecting us to do anything. So, right. no one's so now I think they're going to respond and, and get back to playing well. Wouldn't it be neat to start over this third season like they started the first part of the season? And so that's, that's what I was going to say. It's just like the beginning of the season where it's just, it just, playing by the seat of your pants and playing with house money for lack of a better way to say it, you know? Um, And that's where I feel like that middle third of the season, they, after the PK 85 and we did really well that, that they, not that they tightened up, but once they got into conference play and played teams that they knew, it's almost like they, not that they tried not to lose, but they tried not to make the bad play. Where in the PK 85, like, Brayton's like, screw it. I don't care. I'm just going to dish it. And whatever happens, happens. Where now he's trying to make the perfect play instead of, and it's kind of like in my job and everything else, you know, you do worse when you think instead of just react. 
Oh, absolutely. And you see that on the shooters, you know, uh, you see him hesitating now, you know, you, lawyer never used to hesitate. He's hesitating. Brandon's hesitating. Even Mason Gill is hesitating on their shot instead of just yeah. releasing it. Just still release. You can tell. Just watch him when they, when they play and see how quick lawyer get that thing up. It didn't matter if you, you hey, I'm feeling this. I'm shooting it. Now he's kind of hesitant. And so I just think that comes with experience and, and being relaxed. And they'll get back to it because they they're all great shooters. And they won't ever shoot. I don't think they ever shoot like that in a big game again. I'm sure one or two guys will step up. And that's what we need, one or two guys. Just not everybody sometimes, but just one or two guys to step up. And I've I've said it for four years now, and I, we talked about before you got on, Walter, that that once we get out conference play against teams that you play twice a year, every year for Painter the last 18 years or whatever he's been at Purdue, that playing against teams that we don't see all the time, we're going to have a lot better luck, I think. Um, because we saw that non-conference, what, we were undefeated in non-conference? So, like, I mean, you just uh, – yeah, you, 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 You're 110% right. That's how the Big Ten is. You got people, – people forget you're playing against some of the best coaches in America and who has an awesome staff. Their job is to shut your, your top dogs down. Th- and that's the scouting point. That's what they go over all week, how to shut these guys down. And, and they know what you're going to do with your top every, dog to every be time. Every time. They know the game plan. They know exactly what you're going to do. Now, the, the question, are you good enough to, 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 to stop us from doing what, what we want to do? And, and we wasn't good enough to stop uh, Indiana from doing what they did this, this past weekend. But hopefully we'll learn from making adjustment and slow them down, and we'll play better and make some shots the next time we, we, we get a chance to play them. Hopefully we get a chance to play them again. Yeah, I'd love to see him in the Big Ten tournament. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see yeah, you know the to, Wisconsin Illinois efforts because you mentioned that we made the last two threes of that IU game because what it didn't didn't really matter anymore, right? Well, we've got the 25th right. banner. Right. So so what happens these last two games? Do we see like that loose team that ripped everybody up at the PK Invitational? Like, I think that's what we have a chance of seeing. I think we have a chance. Of everybody saying, "Okay, cool, mm-hmm. relax." Like everybody was freaking out. Like we're going to squander the 25th title. We're going to you know, mess it up at the end of the season. We got it now. We got it. So just go play your game. And I think we could see a pretty, pretty big effort the next couple of games. Like, and, yeah. and if that's the case, that scares me for the tournament. Mm-hmm. That scares the hell out of me for the tournament. Like, I do I think they're going to be fine in the tournament? Yes. And because we're playing teams that don't know us. But if we come out just gunslinging, doing our thing like we did in the PK-85, then I'm going to be real nervous that these guys are letting the pressure get in their heads. And then, I mean, what is it? Six weeks. It's all pressure or four weeks or whatever it is. A March madness is all pressure. So um, I don't know, but in painter, I trust, I trust him to get these guys, right. I trust him to, to get their minds right and do everything right. So, and you know, it's six games, you know, we've won six games straight against, Non-com team, so and we even did that in the Big Ten too. Right after we lost to Rutgers, we won eight in a row. So exactly. So, um, but to to touch on what you were saying, Walter, you know the you know we weren't good enough to beat IU this time. We want to see him in the tournament again. We did lose to IU twice this year. That stings. That sucks. Nobody likes that. But I will say it has been awesome this year. The rivalry I feel like has gotten a new shot of adrenaline put into it, and it's been awesome this year. I mean, Indiana was probably bar none the most hostile environment these guys have played in all year. It was great. Um, Purdue, uh, there was uh, they hit 123.2 decibels. They matched their their all-time decibel record within like the first 10 minutes of the game against IU. I think it was probably within the first five. It was, I think it was at that timeout whenever we were up 13 to 6, that first initial media timeout. So, you know, even though the games didn't go the way they wanted to, man, I'm so glad that this rivalry is getting back to what it is and what it has been and you know, real quick, I'd just like to to hear about when you were in that rivalry. You were playing in that rivalry. So, you know, what was it? And that was the when you, you know, like you said, the Big Ten was gritty. It was physical. So what was it like going down to Bloomington and, and vice versa, having those guys come down to come up to West Lafayette? Well, I was very fortunate because I got a chance to split with Indiana. One year I got a chance to get swept by Indiana twice. And I got a chance to beat them twice. And so I experienced all three. Uh, so we beat them, uh, my junior year, beating them in Bloomington 
uh, was one of my biggest thrills. Uh, I, I can think, only imagine. Yeah, we were the first, I think, Purdue team to beat them in Bloomington. Um, oh, wow. In the first, in the, the start of the second half, I, I hit like five or six shots in a row. And uh, my, my brothers and sisters was going to school there at the time. So it was special. But uh, I, I just remember the feeling that we got when it was so quiet. It got so quiet <laughs> in assembly hall. And that that's when we kind of like ran them out the gym. But but it, just a joy. And then playing against them when they were awfully good and they were the best team, I think, in college basketball best team I played against with the undefeated team and Scott May and all those guys, the six guys went to the NBA and we were freshmen and sophomore and having a chance to beat them three out of the four times, really right there. Uh, I've always, I told, I told uh, Ray Tober, Landon Turns, our good friends, our Ray, Wayne Rafford, who, who's no longer with us. And, and uh, Wayne was a very good friend of mine. I, I, he called me up and I said, anytime, any place, anywhere, where y'all want to play. <laughs> So, I mean, that's just how we felt. We loved playing against each other. Uh, we respected each other enough, but we, we do battle. We just love the, the battle. And playing in Mackey, when they came in there undefeated and, and Scott May having to break his wrist that one game against us, uh, when and CBS was there on national TV and Johnny Wooden was there and all the, you know, we, we knew we were, we were, we were, we were arrived as, as, as playing against Indiana, you know, but, uh, just the battles, man. Just the just the hard battles, and the fans would go crazy. I remember campus was totally different out of this world. The week of the IU game, you knew it was special. Professors talking about the Indiana basketball game. You go to class, and they're talking about the basketball game. They're not talking about Walter. What you guys gonna do this weekend? You know that kind of thing. You walk around campus, and all the sororities and fraternities and and dorms have sheets made out. They painted uh, players. Uh, pictures, the, the artwork of players, and said, Dino Might, you know, I, Wayne Walls, oh, yeah. JJ Walker, Dino Might, you know, go be the, I mean, all around campus. You can go anywhere on campus all week, not knowing this IU signs everywhere, local businesses, and, you know, everywhere, you know, beat IU, beat IU. So it was a different world, you know. I, I tell people, Love that. that's so much, that's I, so awesome. I tell people that I never had to get up for Indiana. My whole thing was, I had to calm myself down. So leading up to the game, two or three days before, I had to make sure I was coming down, not going up. Because I didn't you want to isolate up. yourself so you didn't oh, get oh. too juiced up. Oh, oh absolutely. Because I, I, I was ready. I was, I was ready to go. It didn't matter. I had to yeah. calm down so I can, I can be ready to play. But that, that, that's one thing I remember. Just never have to worry about us being, being fired up. Because our practices was as tense as they, they possibly could be. Coaches was off the chart. You know, they were coaches at a different level, too. Yeah. So it, it was, it's, it's special. It's, it's a very special rivalry. I have a lot of respect for their program. But I, like I said, any place, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. And actually awesome. talking about uh, kind of the rivalry, getting back to it, um, I actually sent something in our group chat earlier that uh, Fox Sports posted that there was like 1.73 million people watched the – Purdue IU game Saturday, which was wow. the sixth most watched college basketball game in the history. Wow. Wow. That's that's so and that's up fun. with like national championships and everything. I or that's that just what regular? they said ever. That's I mean, wow. I don't know. I that's mean crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's a so to read exactly what they said, oh, regular season game. Okay. No, okay. That's no. still but awesome still, though. That, I mean, awesome. you're still looking at some of the Duke North Carolina games. You're looking at some of those games, you know. In the history of college basketball, the what 120 at least years of college basketball that's played, and we're six all time. Like, it's just it's a very special time for Purdue basketball and even IU basketball to have this rivalry be as fun as it is because it was so lopsided for a long time, and then it was lopsided on the other side for a long time. But you so know, you you know, you know, you've arrived when every time someone beats you, they storm the court. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> exactly. That's what is it? Know. Six out of the last that, eight times. Seven out of the last nine. Know. That's when you know you were you were right. Yep. Yeah. That's what that's what they said about Alabama. Every time they get beaten football, you know Absolutely. you're you're there because they storm the field every time you. And do you it. know both teams Absolutely. have arrived when you don't drop a spot in the rankings both times you lose to them. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great. That's point. a really good point, actually. You know, I I grew up in the kind of the midst of the Louisville and Kentucky rivalry. 
um, and I actually li- live, you know, on, on the fringe of that right now. And uh, I try to explain to people who are fans of, you know, one of those schools. Um, it's just different. <laughs> it, it just like the, it's the rivalry between those two schools is more among the fans than than any than. I, and I feel like with with Purdue and IU. The, the the players. I mean, we saw Mason Gillis, you know, refusing to get out of the I way and that. not shoot free throws before the games. A That's lot awesome. of those guys were recruited by both schools, are from the state of Indiana, were grew up, you know, rooting for one team or the other, or didn't get offered by one, got offered by the other, and so it's personal to them, you know, as well. And it just it's 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 it's, it's a hard. There's it's hard to draw parallels to other rivalries, in my opinion. I think yeah. the only one that's close is Duke, North Carolina. Yeah, and I um, love the uh, from the first game against IU and in, in Bloomington. You know, Trace chest bumping Gillis, and Gillis just like points at him and just starts laughing. <laughs> oh man, I would not want to get in a rock fight with Gillis, man. I would, man. No, that, guy, that dude, that dude looks just like look at, he can throw some elbows, man. Like he scares me. Yeah, yeah. He, he just smiles. He just smiles when he get hit. He just smiles like okay. He just laughs. <laughs> I mean, I love six, six. He's like the Russian in Rocky Four. He's just like. He's six six and goes up against seven four Edie in practice. Nobody on nobody on another team is going to scare him or make him back down. Like, yeah, you're not wrong. Absolutely, absolutely, right. absolutely. Good stuff. Awesome. Cool. Leading well, into yeah. uh, this week, then what? Wisconsin and Illinois. Mm-hmm. Is it Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, Thursday, Sunday? We got at Wisconsin Thursday, Thursday and against okay. Illinois yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, I'm off. Wisconsin's Sunday. a team we've struggled with in recent years too. Yeah, they, they swept us last season. Um, it'll be yeah. senior night. It'll be senior that night there, senior day. And trust yeah. me, they're gonna bring everything they got. So we. What be- is so real quick? This is kind of an impromptu question, but I kind of want to get your opinion on it. Is, um, what is senior night like for the players? Like, is it very emotional towards the bad side or the good side, or is it just kind of individual feeling? If that makes sense. It's it's individual because I mean I hate a senior night. Yeah, yeah. I, I I hate a senior night because <clears throat> my my whole family would come and yeah. um, they all wanted to see me before the game and I was the type of person, yeah. person that but they were family so I couldn't say well I'm not, I'll see you after the game yeah so I would see them and it would take me off of my routine. Oh, okay, and, I see that. Yeah, and then I would want to overly play well for them yep. instead of being yep. relaxed and just doing my normal yeah. routine. So that was going to be my next question is what yeah. the, what the energy kind of like was like. It, it's, it's, it was very, very emotional for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause I, you start reflecting back on your journey. Right. Your teammates. I mean, four years and yeah, teammates. Absolutely. Yeah. So I never, yeah. I never really played well on senior night in high yeah. school. I didn't do it in college. I, I didn't do it. Yeah. Well. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. But some, some, some people, they play well seeing you nice. They just, they just eat up the moment. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, does anybody have any thoughts on uh, Wisconsin? I know last year when the last time we went to the Cole Center, Chucky Hepburn uh, hit that insane game winner. I mean, it was just like the, the stars. I mean, Jaden Ivy goes down, hits an insane shot. Uh, and then Chucky Hepburn follows it right up with the. Uh, Were I mean, you just reca- recapping all of last season, or right. <laughs> what was it like? Four last second shots that beat us last year. So yeah, it was something crazy like that. Um, but well, hey, no, know, Brad he's, Davison, he's, he's gone. So that's yeah, great. Chucky Hepburn's doing it again this season. I mean, he's. Uh, okay. I think something like the fiftieth ranked player in three point percentage this season in D one. Uh, among you know rotational players, um, so I know who Morton's playing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's extremely athletic. He's definitely. I mean, he he he's not. Wisconsin is very. Uh, I'll use the term old school. You know, in the way they play basketball, uh, they still kind of run that that swing offense that they they ran under Bo Ryan uh, for a long time. And uh, but the one thing, the one interesting thing I think about this game is that they have some skilled size, uh, right? Stephen Crowell is a seven footer. Um, and he's shooting uh, almost 30% from three. Um, so I'll just be curious to see how we decide to guard that kind of pick and pop action that I have to run with him uh, and how we'll, how we'll kind of have Edie defend that. Um, but I think it's ultimately going to come down to how we defend that and how we 
how we handle Chucky Hepburn, uh, and then how we play through Wisconsin's defense. But I think the big key is going to be rebounding. Um, uh, Wisconsin's just not a great rebounding team. Um, they're actually one of the worst rebounding teams in the country, and us being one of the best. I think that's where we can really steal some points there. I think I honestly think playing Krause, um, I think we're going to do what we did against Trace Jackson Davis and have um, Caleb first play him because that worked really, really, really well. Like that was a great adjustment by Painter to have first on TJD. And I think that's the same thing they're going to do on that kid because first is while he doesn't have the height as him, he's still the athleticism will make up for it. One of the things that scares him about Wisconsin is the two big guys that that they play. Um, Wall, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Wall. And then Siegen, the freshman. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're, they're going to him a lot offensively now. I mean, the last game, they were running sets after sets after sets for him. And he can take it off the bounce. He can shoot the hell out the ball. He's from Indiana. So. Yeah. You'll be pumped. <laughs> yeah, My yeah. biggest thing I'm concerned about Wisconsin is playing at the Kohl Center. That place is a house of horrors for everyone. Yeah, at least it's not like the uh, – at least I don't have any injuries associated with that place like uh, the barn in Minnesota. Oh, thanks for that uh, bad omen there, Damon. Yeah, that was – I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I uh, That was a really bad thing to say. So that uh, never happened. We'll just go ahead and rewind that. We'll have to edit that out. <laughs> The barn, the barn, the barn's one of the toughest places to play when I was in the Big Ten. I know that. Williams are oh, really? Oh, it's that tough. place is yeah, tough. No question. Yeah, what was, in your opinion, what was like the toughest venue uh, you ever played in? A lot of it has to do with the opponents, but <laughs> right. Williams, Williams Arena. I mean, you, you talk about they used to do the, the. I don't know if you guys know about it, but they used to do like the the globe try to tricycle. Uh, Pre game show with Flip Sanders, a, f- a former coach, and come out and ride the tricycle and different. And the people be there like 17,000 be there an hour before the yeah. game. I mean, and then it'd be like 50 below zero. And then you come from your <laughs> hotel room to, to the bus and get to the arena, and the fa- fans would be crazy. And then you had to walk down the big steps that were the bit, the benches were down, not on the floor. And we had to walk up to, for, to sub into the games. And yeah. it was just tough place to play and they're right there on you and they had the old school um what i want to say environment they were they just said anything and did anything to you you know and everything went so that's one of the toughest places to play when i when i played also i think of course you know you can say assembly hall because of the teams uh but uh also east lansing was tough to play uh wisconsin wasn't so much i i hate playing in northwestern because it was they've done a, a nice job re- renovating now, but back then it was it was it was a dump. I hate to say that, but it was. Yeah. And, and you know, like a lot of dead spots on the floor and that kind oh, of wow. thing, and always cold and no heat. You know that kind of thing. So oh, wow. no heat. No, it, it was it good was always, gravy. Always be cold there. Always be cold. <laughs> Take an extra twenty minutes and warm up. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So. Yeah, and then we finished the season. Week. We finished the season against Illinois at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, how are you guys feeling about that? It depends, depends on, on what Illinois team show. Go ahead. I know Chris and I were saying the same thing. Depends on which Illinois team shows up. <laughs> you know, is it the uh, the Illinois team who um, you know what's a good performance they had this season? Uh, you know the the Illinois team, which scores almost one you know one point two points per possession against Iowa, or you know sub nine point nine points per possession against Ohio State. I mean, it, it just they they've been all over the place this season in terms of performance. And when they when they are on, they they look like even one of the best teams in the Big Ten, but they they just aren't on consistently. Um, you know, I'm I think just a lot glad of we play this do. game at home. It's the biggest advantage, in my opinion, uh, to to the uh, the one game series of Illinois this year is that we're playing them at home. But they, you know, they just have a they they have on paper what could be the most talented team in the Big Ten. Um, they just had they had problems, you know, just getting getting everything to kind of click with a lot of new pieces. You know, with the two transfers from Baylor, 
Um, you know, Terrence Shannon, uh, Shannon, Sky Clark leaving midseason. It, it, it's just kind of been a whirlwind. So I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Illinois in the slightest, but it seems like they have guys who haven't bought in yet, or like that rough spot in the middle of the season. It just seemed like guys weren't clicking. They didn't buy in. Like there was a lot, of, and that honestly, that's a lot of the problems when you bring in a lot of those transfers is trying to get all those guys, you know, what they bring in three or four transfers in the offseason, at least three, I think, mm-hmm. and trying to get all those guys to buy in at the same time under the same system in two months leading up to the beginning of the season. And right there about January, it looked like the wheels were coming off that truck. Like it was just all over the place. Like it looked like Brad Underwood was going to start choking players. I mean, it was just obnoxious on the sidelines at times, but – that that just what seems to me. That just seems like the they're like they just have a couple guys that aren't completely locked into the system. A couple of things that comes out and stand out for me with Illinois is that they're very talented and their matchup problems when they're playing when they're playing well. Mm-hmm. Sanders going downhill and Meyer shooting that ball like he's capable of, shoot, of shooting it. And then uh, I mean they're very very talented, uh, and I I think that. Uh, Meyer has no has won a national championship with Baylor, so he had a couple of kids that that's won from big that Big Ten program. So if they get get it, start to get it, and pass mm-hmm. that on, they're going to be very very uh, dangerous out in the Big Ten tournament moving forward. They they have talent to do it. That big guy off the bench who who don't haven't showed up, he can play. He's very talented. He's inconsistent, but if he starts to play mm-hmm. and they 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 put it together, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out in the match. Oh yeah. Gonna be a matchup for for a lot of people. I don't yeah. like the way we match up with them individually, but I don't like the way they, they can't match up with us either if we're playing yeah. games. I don't I don't like that Meyer kid. That Meyer kid makes me nervous because when he can get on, when he was at Baylor, when he got rolling, that kid would just he was a difference maker. Us. I thought he was mm-hmm. a difference maker in the tournament. No question. Yeah. About it. Yep. Anytime the minute he started hitting shots, it was it was lights out for Baylor, and he's great defensively. I like his defensive play. Um, I like how he rotates around and covers the weak side when he needs to, strong side, all that stuff. He's just – I like him a lot. I was really hoping when he transferred that w- Purdue would pick him up. Not that we needed him, but it it's always a pipe dream. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, – well, a, big, a big question for me is how we – you know, how do we handle Coleman Hawkins, right? Because that's really a type of player we haven't really seen yet this season. You know, that kind of 6'10 point forward – He's very Kevin you know, Durante. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I was going to say Ben Simmons, but he can shoot threes. So, yeah, Kevin Durant. He, he's, he's, a a best ben he's their best player. <laughs> now, he's their best player, in my opinion. He, he is their best player. I, I think uh, we just can't let him go off and do something he normally don't do, and that's score 20 points. I think we keep him with 10 points. You know, He's going to get 10 rebounds. He's going to get five or six assists. Stay in front of him, make him make a couple shots, and and keep him off the board because he's have a to frustrate him. Because yeah. I think when you frustrate him, he gets in his own head, and then then he he struggles a little bit. He he reminds me a lot mentally of kind of, and this is no disrespect to him, but Jaden Ivey. Like mm-hmm. when you start to kind of press him a little bit and kind of kind of bump into him and get a little physical with him, he gets a little a little pissed off. So. Yeah, 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 he's he's a great player. I, I like it's all around game for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, hopefully Purdue can pull it out uh, this week, go two and zero, end the season on a high note, and then just move into the the tournament uh, with some momentum. So, but before we wrap up here, uh, Russ had some thoughts on uh, women's basketball, I believe, and then the uh, Purdue baseball team. So, Russ, if you want to share, yeah. That um, so we actually have some other sports that happen at Purdue. I know we talk a lot about football and. And men's basketball, but, um, you know, we've got quite the athletic department going on right now. Um, Purdue baseball just got started, um, I think, a couple weekends ago now. Um, They're just two series in. Um, They start – they play, like, in Texas. They usually play a series there and then a series or two out in, like, the Carolinas. Um, But they went uh, three and one uh, against Holy Cross down in Sugar Land, Texas. Um, They hit – eight different guys went deep for a total of 11 home runs. Uh, so it was, it was pretty wow. good series offensively. Um, they split with NJIT uh, two games apiece in their next series. So they've started out five and three. So 
Um, I know last year they were the last undefeated team in the country, but uh, we aren't going to get there this year. Uh, Greg Goff's the head coach. He's in his fourth year, um, coming off his first winning season last year, though. So we are you – know, it's another program that's kind of headed in the right direction and, and headed up. Um, so get out to Alexander yeah. Field, catch a game or two this year, see them. Um, but uh, also we got women's basketball who are moving forward a little bit they're kind of like this is that portion of the season where they're about a week ahead of what the men's game is. So they're headed into their Big Ten tournament this week, and they're they're kind of a bubble team. Uh, so they they had a tough loss at Minnesota. Their Minnesota, I think, is 101 in the net. Uh, so it's kind of a tough loss. It was a road loss. So I think it only goes down as like a Q2 loss uh, for that. But, um, you know, they could probably use a win in the Big Ten tournament. They play Wisconsin. They're the seven seed. Uh, Wisconsin's the ten. And Wisconsin's not a tournament team. They're, I think, even lower in the net, uh, 1-11 in the net. Yeah, so we can really use a win against them. Um, you know, we're, I think, the fifth to last team. We're the last team with a bye, according to Charlie Cream of ESPN. But uh, Connor uh, Grohl on CBS has us as a nine seed, so pretty comfortably in. So I, I don't know that we have to beat Wisconsin, but it'd make it a lot, a lot easier come Selection Sunday because um, it still will be a little bit yeah. stressful. Uh, I think we're just, you know, it's a product, our season for women's basketball is a product of having kind of what um, Walter was talking about with the old school Big Ten on the men's side, that we have like six women's team in like the top 15. And so we might be the seventh or eighth best team, but we have to play all those teams once or twice in the, in the season. So, you know, we've had quite the gauntlet and we've got some really good wins. So I think they get in regardless, but it would be good to beat Wisconsin and maybe even win a second or third game in the Big Ten tournament for them. So. Sure. Um, oh, and yeah. One last thing too. It's it's combine week, so you know support support our pro oh, boilers. Go week. in. We've Let's got go. five guys at the combine, right? Aiden Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones, uh, Payne Durham, Jalen Graham, and Corey Trice are all going to be there. So you know, pretty well spread out. Too. No, so any position group you see on this week performing, there's a good chance you're going to see a Purdue guy out there. So that'd be cool. Yeah, and uh, seems like Durham really made a name for himself in the Reese Senior Bowl. So excited to see how he does in the mm -hmm. combine and you know where he ends up in the draft. So, um, well, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up here. But uh, Walter, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it was a great time. I really enjoyed talking to you. It was a great conversation. Love to hear your passion for Purdue, your love for Purdue, um, and your thoughts on, on this year's team and uh, as well, and just everything that you've done outside of Purdue as well is just great. You just got a really positive attitude, very passionate uh, person, and, and, we, and we love that here. Um, and so that's great. And we hopefully people listen to this and that spreads uh, throughout the Purdue community because, uh, you know, we need positivity. Like you said, uh, when, we, when we come off these losses, we need fans that are encouraging, fans that are, you know, speaking good things into these players. Because like you said, you know, we know that these guys are, are reading things, um, whether they'll admit that it gets to them or not. So uh, love that. Love all your stories and uh, your experiences. So thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys, guys. Keep Thanks, doing sir. great. Keep doing great things. Appreciate you guys so much. Yep. Go Boilers. Gracefully broken. Go Gracefully broken. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Bye bye.